Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. are listening to the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and I am here today with a special guest. Bridget Sampson is the founder and CEO of Sampson Coaching and Consulting, where she offers leadership and communication training and coaching for programs for Fortune 500 companies. Well, now you might wonder why she's here because Super Moms, this podcast is not normally about Fortune 500 companies. This is about here on the home front and life inside the house. But uh, her background, she's been a coach, she's a TEDx speaker, she's emeritus professor of communications at Cal State University Northridge. She's got this whole organizational communication interpersonal coaching background, but she is here today to talk to us about her most recent endeavor, which is the co founder of Gender School, which is, uh, well, why I've got you here today. So welcome to the podcast, Bridget. Thank you so much. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. And so it's actually, we, my daughter and I co-founded Transgender School. Oh, Transgender School. Okay. Thank yes. You no, but thank you for, thank you for, and, and really it could be gender school because we talk so much about understanding gender and the, the science and the, the, the nature and nurture aspects of gender in our lives. And so, uh, but it is, it does have a focus on understanding the transgender, the diverse transgender experiences, especially of our kids. So thank you for that warm welcome. And I'm so happy to be here and so honored and excited to have this conversation with you. And I love your podcast. It is so helpful. It is so helpful to me. I'm going to keep listening for sure. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. Appreciate that. So yeah, this kind, this topic for me really came into my awareness because I've been teaching sex education classes for parents to take with their nine to 12 year olds. And I've been doing that for decades. So really long time. And I never included piece on gender. And it wasn't until I dropped my uh, son off at college a couple of years ago when I went to the orientation and everybody was introducing themselves with their preferred pronoun from the dean or president of the university to the RAs in the dorms. Every piece of paper, every letter, every note said, this is my name and this is my preferred gender. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what is happening? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. He said out of state college. I said, I came back home and I'm talking to my friends who are dropping their kids off at college. And I was like, is this just some like really liberal university or like what? And they're like, no, this same thing at dropping my kids, same thing at this orientation, same thing at every college. They were all doing this. And so I'm like, okay, something's happening. I need to get on the bandwagon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I started doing my own research and started including gender education into my sex education class for nine to 12 year olds, right? So that's kind of how I started to understand because I thought, well, parents are going to be like me. Like, what in the world is happening, right? We don't, we, we didn't grow up with that as being something learned when your kid hit fifth grade or whatever. So we, I thought parents could benefit from knowing about what's happening just kind of globally or in our nation or whatever. Uh, and then what brings you here to the um, program today is a question I got from a client. This is a Q&A podcast. And so I thought I will read you the question, then you could help me answer because just because I've done a little bit of research does not make me an expert. <laughs> I haven't lived through it. I haven't experienced it. And so I wanted to call you in. So here's the question for the day. She writes, this mom says, um, my daughter revealed last week that she identifies as trigender, which I hadn't even heard of. She explains it is not connecting with any one gender, female, male, or non-binary. Now I should say this daughter, I think she's like 12 or 13. Lots to take in and process. This mom says, I'm feeling 
not anxious about it, which I'm thrilled about because I'm pretty sure the old me would have gone straight to anxiety. So she's feeling good yes. about herself there. She says, I want to support and love her. My main concern is that I do this right in terms of parenting. And I do have concerns also for her around the potential of being bullied. Thank you for any help. And I'm like, mm, outside my window of expertise. <laughs> so anyways, I would love to hear your take on like this one who like just found out, daughter just announced this to her. What's the first thing she should say or do? What's the best way to respond to this when your middle schooler comes to you with this? Yeah. What a great question. Thank you for, for all of that you know, set up. And I just want to commend you first, Tori, for doing this research on your own. And I was thrown into it because four years ago, my daughter came out as transgender, much like this mom who were responding to the question of today. And I had no idea where to go to learn and find out how to support my child. So in answer to the question, and that's, and it has since been a four-year journey of education and now educating other people. But the first thing I would say is, yes, first of all, how do you interact with your child? And my biggest recommendation is just support and listen support and listen. If you don't know, <laughs> if you don't know enough about this, it's not time to give advice. It's not time to direct and, and control and try to tell your child what to do because the chances are they have thoroughly researched it already, right? And they know so much more than you do. Just support and listen and sit with it and wait to really respond until you've given it a little bit of time and you've done a little bit of research. And so I would ask my child, what does that mean? What are you feeling? What are you going through? Tell me more about this. It doesn't mean that you're going to take any particular position or path, but you're just going to be absorbing first. And as parents, we want to understand what our children are going through, right? If your child told you that they were upset or depressed or sad, you wouldn't start telling them what to do, right? You would ask them, well, tell me more about that. What are you feeling? What's going on for you? Just be a listener. That's my biggest recommendation. And that's what we recommend in our courses, my daughter and I, because that's what I didn't do. I thought I needed to fix her situation and tell her what to do. And even when I started researching, I I, I was resistant to what the research told me, which, and, and all the books I read told me to do just that, just listen to your child. They know what's going on. Even if they're middle school age, the information is out there. So this child, the mom who we're chatting with today, I hear you, I feel you, your child is so young and there may be some resistance to, they don't really understand. They don't really know, but these kids are so smart and they do know, <laughs> and they have read and they have researched and they know what's going on with themselves within themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think what makes, because I'm thinking inside my head as you're talking, I'm like, okay, what would be my, so like, I hear you say, just listen, but I'm imagining myself asking questions as you're suggesting, but almost with like an agenda, like it would come out wrong. I'm like, well, how do you know? Like almost like defensive, because I think the initial reaction, and I don't know why, but the initial reaction that I would have, and maybe a lot of the super moms would have is fear Yes, of like, no, you're not yes. my gender. You're not my, my, like, I've known you since you were born. Right. I've yes. labeled you. I've already made that decision and declaration. And I have identified as a mother of a daughter or a son or whatever. And it's like, I've been invested in all these years of calling you the way I yeah. So I feel like my initial gut response would be almost like defensiveness, almost like anger, denial, fear, something like that. So it's almost like I don't, I wouldn't trust myself to ask questions in the way you worded it, which is like, so how do you know? Like soup, like almost like a therapist would be like, so unattached and neutral. And like, how do you know what makes you think that? Like, I don't think I would have the capacity. <laughs> I'm going to have to go off into a corner and process by myself for a while, <laughs> yes. cry, grieve, get mad, punch pillows. I don't know. But like, I think I would, um, 
I think I could do some sort of a thank you for telling me. I'm so glad that you trust me and to confide in me and to tell me the truth of what's happening for you. This is a lot to take in. Yes. <laughs> it's like, of course we want to support the kids, but we've got a whole bunch of emotions erupting like a volcano inside ourselves. I mean, like this client doesn't sound like she does. She's like, I'm, I'm not feeling anxious. Like, yeah, I know. That's amazing. <laughs> Right, right. What you're describing as the response that you predict that you would have as a parent is honestly the most common response. And it's totally normal. And I have so much empathy because I was there. And I, I now talk with so many parents in our support group. I do intake. I also, you know, friends because I'm, you know, somehow became like the expert on this, right? Which is why we decided to start transgender transgender school because it's like, oh my gosh, I'm talking to so many people about this. We might as well put it out there and create a business and a program. But as I talk to all these parents, they react exactly the way that you described. And all of that internal struggle and strife and crying and being in denial and being in anger and upset that why is this, you know, why is this happening? And I'm so fearful for my child. It's so normal. And we so need support for that. And, you know, go to a support group, go to one of the best experiences I had, honestly, was like a, I think it was like a three hour phone call with my best friend. And she just let me vent and cry. And she's, you know, been my best friend since we were kids. And she was like, tell me more, tell me more. I was like, I don't want this. And how can this be happening? And blah, blah, blah. And I just sobbed and saw, and I still thank her to this day for that four years later. We all have that friend, I hope. Right. And so doing all of that is so necessary. And what you said, Tori, that really, I want to call out as like, could make the difference in whether or not your child commit suicide, you know, they consider suicide. I'm sorry, but the statistics are there to be able to say, I hear you. I understand that this is, this feels true for you. And that I want to listen. I, I want to be there for you to simply say that, be able to say that in the moment, as hard as it is for you to say, I want to support you. I want to understand. And, and what you said, Tori, it's like textbook, what we recommend, everything you said, thank you for trusting me. That must've been hard. It must've been hard for you to tell me. And I'm, I'm so thankful that you trusted me. If you can just bring yourself to say that you increase the odds dramatically of positive outcomes for your child, whatever it is they're going through their, their life outcomes, their mental health outcomes, their, their reduced risk of, of um, considering suicide and self-harm. And you can find countless studies that prove this. So that's all we're saying is yes, all of these feelings and reactions are totally normal and get tons of support for yourself wherever you can. And please, please, please don't let your kids see that if you can, you know, you said, Tori, it's a lot for me to take in. Of course we we can say that to our child, but I said things I share. We just did a, a course um, on how to be an ally for parents and everyone. And I shared the ugly side of what the things I said to my daughter, Jackie, I said, I don't believe it. I think you're mistaken. I think you're confused. It must be a phase. These are all the things we beg parents not to say, because you may be thinking them and feeling them. And I was, but I promise you, it does not help to say those things. It will harm your relationship. It will hurt your child worse than they're already hurting. It's really hard to come out. Kids usually spend a lot of time coming in and telling a couple friends and researching online. And I know that my, you know, my daughter and the kids that I now work with, they say they'll, they'll spend years, many of them before they ever tell their parent, like grappling with, how am I going to say this? My parents going to do, they're going to reject me and tell me that I'm wrong. Please, if we can just say, I support you. Thank you for sharing with me. I need some time to think about this, but I want to be there for you. Yeah. So let's talk about that because you said one of the, the mistakes that you made was that you said like, it's a phase. Now, how old was your daughter. She was 19. Okay. So a little older than, yeah. Although for, for transgender kids, it's the average age. I just read a study that said the average age of coming out as transgender, and that's taking into account there are people who come out when they're 70 now, right? 
but the average age is 18.5. <laughs> so we were right on because, yeah. It, and this is a huge misconception, Tori, and everybody listening. We think it's like the story of jazz. I love jazz. I am jazz. I recommend the show. I recommend- Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am jazz. Oh, fantastic. Right. But she was that two, three-year-old who was like, nope, I'm a girl. You know, I, I am not a boy. You think I'm a boy, this body, but I'm a girl. That's actually much more rare than we recognize it. Often the, the, the term gender dysphoria is the distress that transgender people feel when they really feel this mismatch between what they know in their mind is their true gender and their, the body that they were assigned a sex at birth. And it often surfaces really painfully around puberty. And that makes sense, right? Because final, your, your secondary sex characteristics are developing and you're really coming into that gender of that body or the sex of that body. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, Jackie talks about how that's when she, she knew younger too, but really was like, oh no, this is not right. Right. So Jackie was born with male parts. So let yes. me just kind of clarify what I teach in my sex ed class is that like sex is between the legs and yes. gender is between the ears. <laughs> love so, it. I'm going to use that. Oh I my gosh. I love that. I'm a 12 year old. So it's very oh. like age appropriate. Like, so that your sex is assigned at birth when they look at you and yes. they kind of look at the genitalia and they determine your, whether you're male or female. And then as you grow up, you start to, I, I could remember being four years old and being like, God, I'm so glad I'm a girl. Like mm-hmm. I identified hundred percent, even to this day, like I do, I don't how I hang out with men. Everything I do is with women, <laughs> children, yeah. like super moms. Like yeah, yeah. I just, but so I can imagine with puberty, you've got, you're saying the secondary sex characteristics starting to emerge. And so you're either going to feel signs of like excitement of like, Ooh, I'm turning into a woman or dread of like, Oh God, I'm turning into a woman. That doesn't feel right at all. But then I imagine also socially during puberty, there's a great divide on there's, it becomes unusual or kind of noticeable if you are the sole girl hanging out with boys or the only boy hanging out with girls where before that you can kind of Mm -hmm. be friends with anybody, everybody, you know, right. Um, And around that age, it starts to, to start to separate. Yeah. So I imagine that's confusing also. Yeah, exactly. And, and Jackie always had lots of female and male friends, you know? And so, yeah, so she came out at 19. And so my, even though I was an educator and it's so ironic now because I was teaching gender diversity in the classroom and my, in my intercultural communication courses and in my public speaking course, I really was, but I was floored. I was completely blindsided. This is not my kid, right? We know super moms out there, right? That it's like, we can be so well-informed about something, but when our kid presents something to us that we never expected, or as you articulated so beautifully in the beginning, Tori, we have these attachments to how we see our kids and even nothing to do with gender and all of this, like this child is the one who's good at math and this one is the athlete. And we don't want to do any of that. Right. And it's the same with gender that we want to let them find their own way and leave some space for them to, to define that for themselves and to let us know. So when Jackie came out, complete denial, complete confusion about how this could possibly be. And so over this four years, she's helped me understand. And she's told me about all the things, not all the things, there's lots that she doesn't share, because as you talk about with our teens, you know, it's like, they're not going to do everything that we, it's like, talk to me. I'm the cool mom. You could talk to me. They're just not going to talk to us about certain things. And we have to be, we get to choose what we think about that. You know, you and I are both life coach school coaches and and how, how empowering is it to finally learn, like our kids are going to be who they are. And we get to choose how we want to frame that and look at that and think about that. So I, you know, I understand that Jackie's not going to share everything with me. And I, I manage my mind around that. But what she has shared is that she can remember way back, just like how you described when you realized, you know, I'm a girl, I'm so happy to be a girl. That's my experience too. Like I want to wear dresses and makeup. How when can I wear makeup to get my ears pierced, right? <laughs> she wanted all those same things. She had all those same thoughts and feelings, but her 
what she saw outside of her, she didn't see any opportunity for that. She saw the world reflecting back to her. You're a boy. You act like a boy. You play sports. You, you do all the boy things. You play with Legos. You, and we reinforced all of that. We did all the, we just pushed all the boy things on her, never questioning. Right. And. And you never saw any signs. No, she, this is really important for parents to know. She was hyper-masculine because she was covering it up. She was so fearful about, there was no one in her life who was transgender or not completely cisgender and, and presenting as the gender that they were assigned as birth. She had no model, no awareness. No, and we're not, we are not in any way anti-LGBTQ. We had but you friends. were teaching it. <laughs> we were teaching it, and we had many friends and family members who were openly um, gay and in lesbian relationships. And we were always like, I, I made an effort to, you know, to to talk to my kids about all of all of that. But there was no one transgender or or bigender or non-binary or trigender. All these terms that we now know, because I know the mom we're talking with is asking about trigender. And now, you know, those of us of our generation, Terry, we're just like, I can't keep up with all this new terminology. Right. But we need to, we need to learn because our kids' generations, they all know it and they've got friends. And I just read a study, uh, a latest Gallup poll says 1.8% of Gen Z, you know, which is like kids in high school and college are identifying as transgender. But what does that mean? That includes non-binary, that includes trigender, that includes bigender, that includes people, you know, on a spectrum. We always thought it was just male, female, but now it's this whole spectrum. Yeah, so let's let's kind of define some of that for us old fogies. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> yes. I hear my daughter's <laughs> voice in my head. Boomer. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so we need to call it boomer school is what we need. Yeah. <laughs> Transgender school for right. boomers. Okay. Right. But I'm not a boomer. I keep me my daughter, but she doesn't believe me. Right. They just lump us all together. We're they old lump people. Us all together. Yeah, we're we're old school. So it's kind of like this is the way I think of it. In the olden days. Mm-hmm. So you would the kid would not find themselves until like they moved out of the house and went off to college. Okay. So in college, they might discover that they were gay Mm -hmm. or maybe they've always been gay, but they wouldn't come out until they've left the parents. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) So it was, of course, it was very hard for parents to deal with, but it was, there was also like kind of this, or maybe they'd be like Bruce Jenner coming out at like 60 or whatever, you know, like, okay, do what you want. You know, I'm having a college professor came out as gay at like 50. You're like, okay, by that age, who cares? Your parents aren't around. Right. <laughs> but nowadays it seems like it's happening younger and younger. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering, what would you say to a mom who says that, it's the influence of TikTok and all the like, you know, drama kids that my daughter's hanging out with that's making her say that she doesn't identify as her gender anymore, that she wants to be non-binary or she wants to be a he or whatever it is. Like, it. how do you know that it's like, I can remember being in middle school and like changing my name and changing the spelling of my name. And like you know, you have friends that like, you know, I'm a skater and I'm a stoner and I'm a, you know, drama kid. And like, you're finding yourselves, you're trying on different identities. Like you're trying on different outfits. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of how I saw like, you're trying yeah. to figure out who you are. Like middle school is like the development of the ego. So you're trying to figure out where do I fit in socially? Okay. Mm-hmm. And so how do you know that your kids aren't just like trying on a gender, like they're trying on a new identity, a new outfit, a new group of friends that they're going to a year from now not be interested in? Right, right. It's a, it's, it's a, an important and a difficult question, honestly, because they may be, what if they are, what if they are trying on different things? Like what choice do we have other than to let them, right? Because we know as parents, sometimes when we say no and resist, it makes, you know, it's like, oh, you're going to say no, then I want this even more, right? But here's the truth is that 
the research really shows that when someone says they are transgender, the chances of them, they've really thought about it and they've really grappled with it and, the, and, and that they say they actually want to transition. Okay. Not just like, let's, let's identify that we're talking about different things here. Yeah, like if we're, yeah. if we're talking about just, oh, I want to wear boy clothes and see what that feels like, or a boy, a, an assigned male at birth child saying, I want to try makeup and what that feels like. Like, I mean, my opinion is let them, what harm is there? Like, let them explore and and see what it feels like for them. But to actually medically transition is a whole different story. And there are, of course, concerns and, and things that need to be addressed. Okay, okay, wait, wait. there's so much here. I could talk about Okay, <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> so many questions, okay. So you've got this scenario where, some, let's say a middle schooler says, I don't identify with my gender. But, you know, I'm non-binary. So non-binary, we haven't even really defined. Non-binary, right. I don't identify as male or female. I feel like I'm somewhere in the on the spectrum mm-hmm. of middle. Okay. Yes. And so it just means don't put me in a box. And really, can we just admit that, like, did we make up this box? Like, <laughs> society, like, this is kind of a social construct that you're either male or female. Like, it's possible that we were always... The gender was always a spectrum. If you look back across past in time, across cultures, that there were always, you know, it's not this it's kind of like homosexuality where it's not this like, ex, like there's only two choices. Like when we grew up, I grew up in San Francisco, like you're either gay or you're straight. Like there was only two choices and then came on bisexual and we're like, wait, what? There's only two. There's gay or straight. And then as I went through my training, you know, it's like, oh, homosexuality is on this spectrum. And some people can fall in love with either. And some people strongly identify on an end of the spectrum. And some people can say, I fall in love with hearts and souls. I don't care what the meat sack looks like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yep. That's right. All right. So that's sexuality spectrum. So if we take a gender spectrum, mm-hmm. you've you can say male on one side always identified as a male, never had, and it even maybe like, you could say like, I, I hate this term, but like, we talk about like male and f- like feminine and masculine energies, like mm-hmm. everything should have a balance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody on the end of the spectrum has, is running more masculine energy. Yeah. Was it yang than yin? <laughs> We're looking at mm-hmm. the- Right. Okay. More yang than yin. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you got the female lots of feminine energy. And we identify that as like nurturing, caretaking, those kind of more feminine traits. So more yin. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it seems like probably what happened is that we were always falling somewhere on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. And that through just society, we just decided that your sex equaled your gender mm-hmm. and that it's one and the same. And there's two choices, male or female, just like Although with sex, there's also, right. I was filling out a form the other day and it said male, female, intersex, mm-hmm. declared that to choose whatever. I was like, oh my God, I made it onto a form. So being a sex education teacher, I always knew that you could be born with like some fa- female parts and some male parts. Right. So mm-hmm. even that, even sex, we can think as just male or female, you actually can be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Okay. But with gender, that was probably always, it just makes more sense. It's like, it's like a personality. It's like, oh, you're either a alpha male or a yeah. beta male, like giving us two choices. It's like, right. And it, there really is science to it. It's just science. There's science to it. You know, you can look at our biology and our, our genes and DNA, and some people have more or less testosterone or estrogen, right? And some people are suggesting that this has to do with the, the levels of estrogen or testosterone in the womb, because the brain development happens at a different time than the sexual organs are formed, right? There's a whole TED talk about this. It's fascinating by a biologist who says it's you know, it happens in the womb and it's just, it's just, you know, whatever Jackie got more estrogen to her brain. So her brain feminized while her body was a a state of male body, you know, there's science to it and it make, it just makes sense for things not to be absolutely one or the other. Right. And let me complicate this even more (laughs) and say that there's also a third, you know, kind of spectrum or realm, which is 
your expression, your gender identity expression. So there are people who identify, like Jackie identifies very much female. So I was saying earlier how she remembered from childhood wanting, you know, to have long hair and to have have female, you know, ways of presenting, but she also doesn't want a lot of those. She's actually not interested so much in makeup or, you know, the, the typical stereotypical clothes that women wear. So there's your gender that you know you are in your brain, as you say, between your ears, but then there's also how you express it which may not match up either. (laughs) A lot of kids in our support groups and in our circles that I'm now part of so many, you know, transgender families, the parents get frustrated because they're fine with like, oh, my kid was um, assigned male, but now they identify female. Well, then they should start wearing dresses and makeup. Nope. There's a whole other realm, which is however they want to express themselves. (laughs) And they may still want to have short hair and not wear a lick of makeup and want to wear t-shirts and still present kind of masculine, but they still identify as fully female. So look how complicated it all is, just like everything else about being human. (laughs) This is where I think the pandemic has lent itself to more expression of your authentic self. So I would not be surprised if we are seeing more and more kids Because you've just taken a kid, let's say in puberty or younger, and removed the socializing that we do to them. They don't have to choose every day. Should I go to the boys' bathroom or the girls' bathroom? They don't have to stand in one line or the other line. They get to wear what they want to wear. They get to express how they want to express, talk how they want to talk. And there isn't that socializing that happens in groups of people. Yes, yes. I would not be surprised if we see more and more kids just be like, I just even noticed it with being under quarantine, you know, where mm-hmm. I was like, I really am happy not wearing makeup, but I like <laughs> wearing jewelry. So yes. like, even if I went through a day where nobody ever saw me, I noticed like, I still like wearing jewelry. Like I never knew that about myself, right? Yep. So that, Same <laughs> you know, yes. but like I could wear sweats, I could wear pajamas, all like, yeah, but then like I have a friend who's like, oh, she's doing her hair and makeup every single day, regardless of what, doesn't matter, you know? So you really, I feel like removing the socializing and the culture, kids are becoming more authentically who they are and feeling free to express themselves as it was most comfortable for them. Tori, I want to validate what you're saying. You are so insightful and really like so in tune with all of this. It's such a, it's such, it's so refreshing to talk to you because <laughs> I talked to lots of people who were more like me four years ago, like, ah, I'm so clueless. But I can so confirm what you're saying because I'm experiencing it. I'm I'm talking to parents. I talk to probably a new parent, several new parents every week whose kid just came out from, you know, young to adult to 30 year old, you know, to young kid. And they're all saying what you just said is that my kid, not all, but so many have told me, you know, my kid has been grappling with this for years and just told us that it's because of COVID that they're coming out. It's because they're not going, they don't have to go to school and school may even be college. Like I have a younger daughter who's home, who's was away at college and had to come home and be home with us for a year unexpectedly. You know, so, so many parents have reported exactly what you just said to me and to others in our support group and in our communities, like I was going to sit on this. I wasn't sure. I didn't know if, you know, I didn't know how you would react, but since we're all home together and I don't have to worry about the outside world, I'm telling you so many parents have told me that Tori. So you're spot on. And I think there, you know, access to social media where this is more of a topic that we're seeing more and more. So what would you say to a mom who says that, like the social media influences, okay, the yeah. access to that the normalizing, the public normalizing of non-binary gender identification and expression is making my child identify as something that isn't true to them. Okay. I really want to respond to this very, very clearly and definitively. Social media does not influence your child to be anywhere on the LGBTQ spectrum. It only makes it safer for them to come out. I know that I am cisgender. I love being a woman. I'm a woman in every way, shape, and form. I also define cisgender because we haven't talked about that yet. A cisgender is just not transgender. It means you identify with the sex you were assigned at birth. 
Yes, exactly. So you're not, you identify with the sex. Thank you. You were assigned at birth and you're not in any way, shape or form transgender, which is transgender is an umbrella term that includes all these things that we're talking about. Umbrellas and spectrums. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. So I, but it's so important because coming out is so scary, even with the acceptance, there is so much acceptance and support and, and fantastic information and education going on out there with the younger generations. But honestly, for our generation and older, Tori, there's a lot of resistance and pushback and lack of education and awareness. So it's not so easy for our kids to come out. It feels very, very scary. And social media, the support they're getting there. I mean, there's, of course, there's scary things going on in social media. We need to monitor what our kids are exposed to, but the support and the affirmation is just making it safer for them to speak their truth. Trust me on this. I can't tell you how many parents have come to our support group, the first meeting and, and, and other groups I'm part of and talked to me and like, no, this can't be. They were influenced by their friends. They have a friend who's transgender. So they decided, and it's like, oh my gosh, if I had a nickel for every time I've heard this and then the months go by and the years go by and they're okay, it's real. I get it. People don't say this. It's so hard, especially transgender. Do you know what my daughter has had to go through to medically, socially transition? Just just the process of changing your name and gender marker is a freaking nightmare, right? Through the legal system and the courts. Nobody's going to do this on a whim, right? So it's insane to think that. There's still so much cultural acceptance for you to stay in the box that you've been put in that any any time you identify as something outside the box that you've been put in you're going to get major social backlash and we are wired we're social creatures we are wired to avoid rejection from the tribe at all costs and it's a very primal fear Yes. And so I think anybody who's brave enough and willing enough to do whatever it is, whether it's leaving your religion of origin, whether it's, you know, leaving your sex assigned at birth, whatever the expectations are for you, you know, even if you come from a a family of college professors and you decide you want to be a, I don't know, a fireman or something like that, that's still leaving that box of the social expectations and a fear of rejection from the tribe. So I think if that's the consequence, I would assume that it's a very strong pull from their essence, their spirit of who they're meant to be, because you would not defy every family member, every cultural programming, everything you pick up on to Like, it's just too hard. Exactly. 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 Yeah. And some kids do experiment. You know, I do want to also, though, acknowledge that when kids are young, they may be just having fun. You know, like I knew in high school, even in way back in the dark ages when I was in high school, I remember some boys that wore makeup. It was like the Boy George era. You know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, I was always, you know, with everybody else. Of course, I learned with when it was my kid, I had a hard time, which I'm still, you know, figuring out and unpacking, but yeah, like, um, sometimes it is just experimentation and play and that's okay too. Like, don't freak out. Like, Oh, my, my son is wearing makeup. Does that mean he's gay or transgender? Let your child experiment and explore and, and, and figure it out. You know, I do admire this, the younger generation. I feel like they've got a lot less tied up or constraints. Like mm-hmm. I remember my son was, I was asking about his new root college roommate. So he was assigned. He says, he says, Oh yeah. You know, this is his name, whatever. He's like, and he wears makeup. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. And he didn't make anything of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh like, yeah. He identifies as male. And it's like us, the older generation, like we want to understand, like, what do you mean? I'm like, what right. do you mean makeup? Yes. And yes. he's a male and he's not gay. Right. And right. He's, or he's like, my sense is, I never asked him. I was like, is he gay? He's like, I don't know. Right. They're so much less interested in all this. They're so unfazed by it all. Like Jackie's friends, most of that, like pretty much, like didn't skip a beat. Like, okay, cool. So you're, okay, you're a girl. Okay, cool. Like I could, I, it was, it blew me away. That's where you notice the, like, I feel like the gender, or the, not the gender, the yeah. like age divide, yes. you know, the older the generation, generational, yes. generational divide. Yeah. It's like, uh, like what, tell me what more. He's like, what's there to tell? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
and they get on board with the pronouns. You know, we haven't talked much about really important, just a quick mention. Like when someone says, these are my pronouns, just use the pronouns, please. I don't, you know, whatever you feel on the inside, you're going to prevent so much pain and suffering and, and again, increase positive outcomes for transgender, all LGBTQ youth. If you use the right terminology, just if someone says my pronouns are she, her, just work to use them. I know it's harder for you, for us, if we're older, it may be if we look at them and we see male and they say their pronouns are she, our brains are so adaptable and malleable. We have neuroplasticity. We can do it. We can do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just and so it was hard. Mantra, yeah. I can do this. This is can possible. do it. It was hard in the beginning. I used he, him for Jackie for 19 years and I had to immediately switch to she, her. And it was, I noticed important. that you didn't mess up once. Like no, you were well, like- four years in, I did in the beginning and Jackie talks all the time about how transgender people can tell if you're trying and you realize it's important to them. And if you mess up in the beginning, it's understandable, but you got to try, you know, and deliberately that's called misgendering. Deliberately misgendering someone is an act of aggression. So, oh, speaking of active aggression. So this is what, this is another thing where I feel like, first of all, this interview is probably going to we're going to need two. We need to have you back. I know. There's too much to talk about. <laughs> no. So love to. <laughs> I was put, I put something on my Facebook group. Um, I don't remember what it was. Some kind of question about gender. And one mom wrote, and I might miss be quoting her, but it was something like, when I grew up, there were only two genders, male, female. I still believe that. Sorry, not sorry. Mm-hmm. Facebook flagged that as hate speech. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I agree. Sorry, I agree. No, it's fine. But I'm thinking <laughs> this mom doesn't know right. that yes. Facebook flags a simple sorry, not sorry to her two genders as hate speech. That's why I was like, the our generation, the moms need to understand because I would never, I wouldn't, I could, you know, I wouldn't say that, but like I just thought she just doesn't know. Right. Like she doesn't know that that's being identified. Yeah. No, I agree. Right. And I agree. And I say, I agree. And I see both sides. I see all sides. There's not just two sides. Right. And I talk to parents like this and I will come to that conversation, you know, uh, with great compassion and empathy. And I will listen and I will support that parent. And at the same time, they need to know that saying things like that publicly increases our child's risk of considering self-harm. There has been a direct correlation. So a transgender teen seeing that, think about from their perspective, think about, try to put yourself in the place. I'm a transgender teen. I've come out to my parents. I'm really scared. I'm afraid to tell my friends. I'm afraid. I don't want, I didn't choose this, right? I just know I have to transition. The gender dysphoria is impossible to live with. I have to be my true gender. And then I see a message like that. How does that make me feel? I realize that the world is unsafe. I can't come out. I can't tell. I, I, can't, I can't be my true my self. Yeah. Right. I need but to I live in the closet. To think about the mom. Who yes. That question in who's saying my biggest concern is potential being bullied. And yeah. then she sees that on this very supportive group of moms. Right. So right. can you talk about like for this mom who's saying like, my biggest worry is like, how do I protect her, him? I don't know the gender she's wanting to still identify with. She changed her name, but I think she's still identifying as a she. Yeah. So how can a mom help her child stand up to bullying? I think Tori, I think that you would agree. Oh, I'm curious your thoughts because you coach so many parents that we only have so much control over what our kids are going to experience out in the world. Our kids could be bullied for anything. They could be bullied for being the smart kid, right? And I don't mean to minimize. I don't want to minimize because it is a very unsafe world in many ways for, for all LGBTQ youth. However, we, as parents, do we really have control over that? Can we, what are we going to do? What is my answer going to be? Well, keep them home. Don't ever let them out of the house, 
right? Yep. <laughs> like, let's do it. That's all. We just did that for a year. Nobody got bullied. <laughs> right, right. We didn't, we were forced to, right? Moms, the moms got bullied by our right. teenagers. <laughs> right. I mean, the best, right, right. The best thing we can do is provide a safe, supportive space for them at home with us and our relationship, whether they're living with us or not. Be affirming in the family, you know, work with the people that we do have some influence on, like getting grant my, my, in our family, my parents are so supportive of Jackie and I worked with them a lot in the beginning to educate them and help them understand it's harder, can be harder. And they're like, so on board, like create this loving, safe space for your child, because you cannot keep your child home and in your, you know, view at all times. So create that loving network and space, be aware of what's going on. I mean, depending on the age, if there is bullying going on, of course, there may be some need for advocacy work at the school or in the community. Uh, there are lots of resources and groups that are forming and doing education in schools. Lots more schools are bringing, um, you know, uh, educational programs. There's so many programs out there now to teach kids about the gender spectrum and the sexual orientation spectrum. So be an advocate, be an ally, but know that you, we only have so much control and ability to protect our kids from the outside world with regard to anything. Uh, I'd like to add something in for super moms <laughs> out there. Cause one of the hallmarks of being a super mom is that we think we should be able to solve all of our kids' problems. We're kind of like, you know, oh, I I know them the best. I'm very involved. I care the deepest. And I think in a scenario like this, finding a mentor for your child or a group that your child can go to or some sort of like somebody, even if it's a YouTuber, some yes. sort of advocate oh or somebody they admire, not necessarily, you know, might not be your pick, but somebody that like the kid might look up to and like a role model, or I want to be like that. So because mom and dad are identifying as cisgender, and they're not necessarily that advocate, right? And maybe you don't identify with Bruce Jenner slash Caitlin, you know, like that wasn't, yes, you know, for yes. a, can't imagine a 12 year old looking to this old man and thinking, yeah, I want to be like him. It's like, mm, yeah, you know, yeah. maybe somebody younger. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can I just say what you're saying is so resonating for me. And there are so many transgender YouTubers out there that our transgender kids are following. Okay. So I'm not advocating anything, but there's one it's called, she's they call her contra points. I promise you all transgender young people and young adults are watching her videos on YouTube. And you said like, it's not necessarily what you would watch, but if you're a parent and you want to know what they are all watching and absorbing, go watch a video with ContraPoints. And she's talking about all the most controversial issues and the issues of the day around transgender, you know, topics. And you're so right about that, that like, we as parents, I'm cisgender. I cannot provide everything for my transgender daughter. She has to go to so many, not has to, but it chooses to go to so many other sources to get the support she needs and the protection even that you're talking about and build community and find all these YouTubers and podcasts. And they're all out there. That's the great news for us as parents who are so worried about our kids. There's so much out there for them to help and support them. And we can't provide that. No, no. And I don't think we should expect ourselves to. In fact, I would say the opposite in that, like, this is the time for self-reflection, right? Like, if you want to be that loving, supportive ally for your child, you could present that on the outside, but there's some inside stuff going. In fact, I have a class coming up. It's called Leading Your Teen, and it's for moms who have teenagers that are maybe struggling or going through something difficult, not necessarily gender identity. Sometimes it's just anxiety, but it's where we watch our kids struggle and we feel this compulsion to rescue, to fix, to help, to solve. And so if moms who can get really kind of obsessively worrying or, you know, with their kid and kind of tied up emotionally, like I can't be happy because my kid's not happy. Mm -hmm then you're riding the roller coaster of adolescence right along with them. And so I think the more things you can find like that, that are for you about you so that you can process the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions. Cause like, as you're talking about, you know, we talked at the beginning about like denial and, 
you know, angry. It's like, no, I, I, I know your identity. I've chosen it for you. Like, don't, I don't want to change, you know, and that kind of might be the initial reaction, but then there's some grief, I imagine, around letting go of the boy that you had and the dreams that you have for that boy. Like there's some sadness and grief that needs to be processed. There's fear around the bullying or what are people going to think and the older relatives and like that social, we're fearing rejection from our tribe. Like there's so much crap. Let's just put it. Yes. Oh, yes. The mom has enough crap to keep her busy for the next few years. Yes. And she doesn't have time to help the kid. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's so true. And, and the nice thing is there is so much support out there. Our, our supportive community of parents of trans kids is amazing. They have gotten me through so much. You know, we have a Facebook group that's for everybody. So we have trans folks there. We have parents of trans kids. We have a podcast, you know, where we bring on amazing guests who, who have so much to teach and share and so many ways to support. You know, there, the community is growing. Like it's amazing how much support there is out there for all of us for transgender people, for the parents of transgender people, for loved ones, even like teachers. We have lots of teachers in our Facebook group who are like, oh my gosh, they don't know what to do. Their kids, like every teacher, you know, I left teaching a couple years ago, but every semester I would have a transgender or non-binary, at least one person who identified that way in my class. And I was like confused about pronouns and how do I make sure to be affirming? And, you know, and the last semester I had a student who to me looked male and used the pronouns they, them. And I was like reeling, like how do, you know, so join us people. Like we're all in this together. There's support for you wherever you are in this journey, whatever, if it's as a parent, but all of us are, you know, if, if truly like roughly 2% of our youngest generation is identifying as transgender and like somewhere around five to 6% identifying as LGBTQ, like we have got to figure this stuff out. We've got to help ourselves. As you said, you know, we've got to find support for ourselves, get on board and learn and find ways to support each other. And it's out there and it's growing. Please find it, find the support that's out there. Our support group is, oh my gosh, just save me. Unbelievable. Thousands of families, thousands who have transgender kids and everybody in the family, we have grandparents, siblings, everybody's part of the group in one way or another. And of course the trans youth themselves, which youth goes from like, you know, as early as they can talk, identifying that they're transgender to, um, we have parents of kids in their thirties. I say kids, but who's their kids are in their thirties yeah. coming out as trans. So there's lots of support out there. Find it and, and take advantage of it. It's only going to grow. This is only going to keep on this path. I feel like it's, like I said, I, I, I feel like it's returning to what it was supposed to be like that. We were just always accepted for who we are and however we felt like expressing ourselves and like, you know, this kind of live and let live, like you just get to be you. And then society, you, we like to put things in a box. We like to label and identify and like, oh, you're this, you're gay, you're straight, you're girl, you're a boy. And that's just, that's our comfort zone. It's like, you know, from, I don't know, fear or something, but like, it just makes us feel safe. We're like, okay, I, it's predictable. I know what to expect. That just was never really the reality. We just made it up. So I'm going to put all these resources in the show notes. Great. So people can go and find you, find your podcast, find Facebook groups. Uh, you also mentioned a book that you thought would be a good place to start if someone's just starting in this journey. Yes. I highly recommend. This was the first thing I got. And the first thing I read when I was reeling the transgender teen, a handbook for parents and professionals supporting transgender and non-binary teens uh, by Stephanie A. Brill and Lisa Kenny. Phenomenal book, just packed with information and research, but also so like compassionate and empathetic and helped me understand everything about what my daughter was going through that we just could not, in the beginning, we could not meet each other in a place where we could talk openly and safely about everything with each other. It makes me so sad now because now we can, and we're, we've done so much healing and repair, you know, and we're teaching others. Now we're doing all these courses and webinars and live streams, but that book in the beginning saved me because it helped me see so much that I wasn't able to see and really learn. 
And I'm going to put a couple of children's books in on the show notes too, that I, I, as you mentioned, I like children's yes. books as a way yes. to kind of quickly summarize, but also just to have in my house or when kids come over so that they can see themselves. Like you were talking about how your son, when he was a son, didn't I see the option available to him to even make him question, you know, like, or think it was a possibility for him to identify right. differently. And so children's books is a really great way for you, cause you can read it and just kind of like say like, Oh, look at this, this boy looks like this, you know, this girl feels this way. And that sometimes they feel one way and sometimes it's another, and maybe it changes from year to year and it's okay. And it's, you know, just kind of separating out gender from. Yeah. And these books can be really good for adults to your point, yes. you know, Tori, like for us, because I'm still constantly learning and I still constantly make mistakes. And so these books kind of give us that foundation of what we need to know. And then we can go from there. And just a note on language really quick. The language is so hard to get our heads around. Like for instance, um, when we talk about Jackie, we always refer to her as our daughter. We never talk about her as our son. And I didn't know that. I learned that like along the road somewhere. So we talk about, we say she from when I got pregnant, I was pregnant with Jackie. So, and so she, I just said that I said your right. son thinking he was Five. People don't know this though, yeah. but people do not know. And we, we shared that in, in our educational material and content that we put out. And a lot of people were like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And people will talk to me all the time. It happens all the time where people are like, well, when Jackie was your son, and I just try to carefully say like, oh, you know what? Funny thing. Jackie was never our son. The way we talk about it, she was always our daughter. We were just mistaken. Um, she was assigned male. Because even back then, he identified as female. <laughs> she identified as female. She was always a she. Right. She was always a she. Right. Right. So she knew she was female. She was born with a female brain. She was always female, but we were mistaken. We called her a boy. We said he, so now we just talk about, so we always say a simple, easy rule that you'll see in all our materials is a transgender person, their pronouns in their name, a hundred percent of the time, past, present, future. Okay. So it's easy to, and it's not judgmental because I didn't know this until somewhere along the journey. It's like totally just. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And then if somebody says like, I'm like, I could see then why the appeal to be called they, them, because grammatically always bothered me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes. That's a tough one for so so many people. But if you feel like, okay, like let's like, if I'm not sure, like, what if I, I decided, well, I don't really identify as female, but I'm not sure I want to commit to past, present, future of being a he. That seems like a commitment. So I can see the allure of being they, them, which yes. is like either buying you time or staying out of a box or just saying like, you know, I'm keeping myself open. Yeah. And we use they, them all the time if we're not sure. Like Jackie will tell me, so a lot of people come to Jackie from her life and tell her she's amazing. Like she does so much coaching and supporting people. And so a young person will come to her, find her and say like, you know, come out to her as trans, you know, and, but they're not sure. And they haven't told anybody. And still she'll come to me and be like, yeah, this person came to me and, you know, always keeping confidentiality, but we'll just immediately go into they, them. So did they say this, did their parents that, did they, did they feel this way? Because if we don't know, we just meet, we just automatically, we use they, them. And I know it was uncomfortable at first because it does feel, I was a college professor grading papers. I'm like, this is grammatically incorrect. I know I totally can relate to that, but I'm so comfortable with it now. And like people I've known for many years will suddenly tell me, you know, oh, I use they, them now. And I just shift into it. I think we have to practice it. It's again, it's that neuroplasticity. We have to use it as much as we can to get comfortable with it. And I promise you people, anybody listening, it's only happening more and more and more. I have students from the, I stay in touch with a lot of my former students who I knew as she or he, and they're like, nope, my pronouns are they, them now. And they still, to me, appear to present a certain way or another. And I got to get on board quickly and use they, them. Like just, it's a, it's great brain training, right? We're supposed to do things to challenge That's our brains, right. like learn, learn a new language, you know, place, do Sudoku. This is preventing Alzheimer's and dementia. Learn they, them instead. <laughs> like it will really challenge your brain and make it develop new neural pathways. It's great. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. This is a call to action for anybody who wants to stay young, relevant, woke, 
Yes, <laughs> please. Yes. yes. This is your call. Yes. And hey, if you want more, just check out our website, transgenderschool.org. We've got tons of resources and everything right there. Yeah. Cause I do have more questions that we didn't even get to. So <laughs> come back. And if anybody has a question that I did not answer or I asked and we just went off on tangents, please email me and we will talk more about this because this is a lot to know for us moms who are like, you know, kind of old school. So we're yes. we a lot of information to take in, a lot of growth, <laughs> growing to do. And, and yeah, it was exciting. It's fun. We're up to the task. We can, we yes. can do it. And we got our, this. We can do it. Yes, we got this. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tori. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.